Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to episode six of the Believe in SMU podcast. And we've got a fun episode lined up today. I'm your co-host, Steven Peters, riding with I'm Ryan, Ryan McCann. McCann. What is up, man? How you doing? I've been better. <laughs> it's been a rough couple of weeks, man. I've been better considering. <laughs> it's It's been a rough couple of weeks if you're an SMU fan. Uh, even if you're not an SMU fan and you're a fan of listening to the show, it's been a rough couple of weeks. <laughs> but, but I will say losses provide better content just because you're able to analyze. You can't always be sunshine and rainbows. Right. So you're able to – I mean, you can always – come away with something positively constructive even in a win but with the loss there's usually a lot more to talk about. absolutely and we got a lot to talk about and the feelings are much more strong it just <laughs> oh, i hate you smu we are in the throes of the november collapse uh in the dykes era becoming very very familiar with that it's oh, man so i threw it out there on twitter counting the bowl game that he started with in 2017 from the last weekend in October to the end of the season, SMU was seven and eleven all time under Dykes. Always open, man. <laughs> but let's get into it, man. It's uh, episode six, the Believe in SMU podcast. We are bro- broadcasting again from the Venture X Studios, high above the metropolis of Castle Hills, the Colony, Louisville, Texas of America. Our sponsor is Lot and Block Group. Lot and Block Group is a group of realtors, produce, uh, top producing agents, both in backgrounds and skill sets. The Lot and Block Group is made up of, of professionals who have made it their mantra of the client's overall self. Like their namesake, the group focuses on the core values and understanding the nuances of real estate transaction. Over $100 million in closed real estate transactions. Can't hide the money. Dollar, dollar bill. We're also on all your platforms on the podcasting world. That is Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, CastBox, Stitcher. Check, check. We're out there. Every, everything us. you can think of, we probably got it. We want to thank again our, uh, our publisher of Believe, who makes this uh, possible for us. Um, they're the ones who reached out to us and asked us if we were interested. So, um, yeah, we were interested, and we, uh, we appreciate Lot and Block for giving us this time in the studio again for this week for episode six also if you're looking to sponsor uh, again we want like we mentioned last episode we want to be able to do two a week uh if possible one as an instant reaction or maybe like a day after not so knee-jerk reaction of what we saw what we didn't saw see however you want to phrase that uh in the smu game seesaw yeah what we seesaw in the uh the smu (laughs) game uh as well as then have the wednesday look ahead not have to cram Two ideas, two constructs into one. Right, right, right. So if you're looking to uh, sponsor that podcast uh, episode each week, you can email us at believe, B-L-E-A-V-N-S-M-U-I-N-S-M-U at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter. I am at I am Speeders. And you are I at am B- at BMAC 929. Yes, sir. We're, we're everywhere. All in your face. And right. entertaining during the game, too, if you guys haven't found out yet. What's up? <laughs> we're entertaining to, to, to follow during the game. Yeah. If you uh, haven't found out yet. I mean, even our text exchanges, you know, we're just we're breaking down on the fly and then throwing it out on Twitter like 
are you doing over there, man? <laughs> but before we get into that, we kind of want to bring up a couple of things. Um, we want to touch on Dylan Frazier's commitment or verbal commitment to SMU. Signing day is not until next month. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, back to Lot and Block real quick. Lot and Block. You can find them on Instagram at Lot Block Group. That's L-O-T-B-L-O-C-K Group. You can also find them on Facebook at facebook.com or meta.com, whatever they're going to change to, whatever to Lot Block Group. And that will take you to their website. It's a very long website. I can mention it, but I'm not going to. So back to Dylan Frazier. Uh, he had the coaches in a... Uh, I wouldn't say a frenzy. It got the fans kind of whipped up because there was a pending commitment uh, announcement. announcement yeah, and I saw that. Everybody everywhere. was excited about it. And um, I thought it was going to be somebody else. I thought it was going to be the Plano kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he hadn't had, a, I think, announced an official offer from SMU, but I know there was high interest in him. Right. Um, but when they said it was Dylan Frazier, or when I found out it was Dylan Frazier that was going to be committing, I was twice more ecstatic because of the kids high motor dude's just high motor high energy really productive kid mm-hmm. it's like 20 his sophomore year first year at the varsity level 21 tackles solo tackles 19 individual or 19 assist i want to say like seven pbus two interceptions four forced fumbles it was it was crazy he splashed into the scene and won the uh, district's newcomer of the year award i believe um so that's going to be a good boon for for their defense as they try to keep that front seven strong. I think mm-hmm. that's going to have to be important moving forward, regardless of whatever conference, whatever coach is, is manning the, uh, the ship. Absolutely. Then you have SMU and uh, uh, the women and men's uh, basketball team tipping off last night, uh, both getting the dub. Uh, first win for Coach Toyel Wilson uh, as the SMU head coach. They knock off uh, University of Missouri of Kansas City. They outscored believe it was they scored umkc 47 to 28 in the second and third quarters to take that game uh, 75 to 63 and then the men for the nightcap um it, it took them a little while to get going actually it, it took a timeout in the first half and then an 8-0 run to close the half to springboard them into a pretty dominant win over uh mcneese state the cowboys um i'm excited about kendrick davis being back Mm-hmm. Dude looks he's he's dynamic. Um, he, Everybody's he, been talking about him. I'm excited to go check him out. He's he is um, he's I think to me he's one B of the uh, front runners for um, AAC Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember who it was that is the preseason AAC Player of the Year, but uh, Kendrick's going to challenge that. I mean, he led the nation in assists I think last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he led the the AAC in scoring. Um, I think he's going to be as efficient as he was last year uh, with, you know, Zach Nuttall, uh, the, Mar- the the Weathers brothers. Tristan Clark had a good performance last night. He picked up 12. Uh, but, man, watching, watch, watching Zach play, again, basketball is my sport. I love it. I can analyze football with, with uh, probably some of the, the better of them. But basketball is my sport. And watching <laughs> him catch, elevate, and release is just a thing of beauty. It is just one fluid motion, and this is the reason why he was a Southland Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. So, congratulations to those two squads. Shout out to the basketball program. I know, I know, I know. You didn't really pay attention to basketball uh, much when you were in at SMU. You just solely solely focused on football, right? A lot of football. I went to go watch my buddies play, you know, mm-hmm. here and there, but wasn't wasn't definitely in the arena every time we had a game. Right? For sure. Do you follow a basketball team? A little bit, not as much as I do the football, obviously, but it's harder with the you know multiple games in a week and all that stuff. I try to keep up. 
No, I'm saying like, do you follow any basketball team? Like, what's your if you were to say, all right, I, I'm going to watch a basketball game this week. What am I? Who? College who, or pro? Both. Either. So, <sighs> see, putting me in a bad mood Man. already. <laughs> Admittedly, I'm Oklahoma City boy, so sure. I'm a Thunder fan. Okay. Um, clearly haven't been able to see them on a lot of national games uh, mm-hmm. in the past few years, so yep. I try to keep up with them. Being an Oklahoma City guy, though, I always like to, you know, watch Russ wherever he's at. Mm-hmm. And so um, if I do sit down, it would probably be to, you know, catch the Lakers play or uh, watch the Mavericks play, too. Okay. Well, so. I'm just curious. I mean, yep. we all have – like, I grew up in the in Houston in the mid-'90s, and so I was a diehard Rockets fan. Mm-hmm. We had Akeem, Olajuwon, Clyde, Otis Storr, Robert Ory, all that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got into being that fandom right as they were winning championships. I thought life was never better. So, right. you know, mid-'90s was great for me. I had the Cowboys winning championships. I had the Rockets winning championships. The Astros were awesome with the Killer Bees and everything. Mm-hmm. And then life happened. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So let's get into it. Uh, again, we want to appreciate uh, Lot and Block for sponsoring this episode, or this time for the episode. Uh, and thanks to again to Believe uh, Podcast Network for giving us the opportunity. Thank let's you, get you guys, for listening. We Absolutely. appreciate it. And our listeners, always, you can uh, hit us up on email and on Twitter, um, however you fancy to, to send your feedback. All right. Go. SMU Memphis, what you saw? Oh, I'm prepared. Not ready to play, not disciplined. Um, it, it, was, it was just a bad showing. It was a bad showing for SMU. They didn't look like the team that we'd seen on the field the, the previous eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it just it, – it, it wasn't a good – it wasn't enjoyable to watch. It was a boring game. I think I, I sent that to you in mm-hmm. the middle of the game. Yeah, we, we, I was like, how are you feeling about this when you were like, eh. That's exactly how you could describe their performance. Uh, it was it was just not scoring until you know under two minutes left in the first half, and that was you know a, a tip ball that fell into Danny Gray's hands, and all he does is run fast. So you know, great great on him. Yeah, great concentration by Gray on that tip drill. Um, are we seeing a regression of Tanner Mordecai? I don't know what we're seeing, but it it, it doesn't look good. Whatever whatever we're doing, it, it it doesn't look good. And he took five sacks, and I think of the five. One of them was not caused by him holding the ball too long. Yeah, and I think that was the third down where they came straight up the middle and got him. Outside of that, he's just holding the ball. The flea flicker—it's not there. Throw it away. Oh, the man. the first down where he he gets sacked for twelve yards. It's like, come on, man, you gotta 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 let it go. Yeah, um, I don't. I was confused as to what their strategy was for that game because it, it looked disjointed. Mm-hmm. Uh, both offensively, defense. They think they do played well up front. I got to give them credit. They, do. they did. They're getting sacks. They're getting in the backfield. They they're. were making splash plays up front for sure. Yep. Secondary was worrisome right off the jump. Luckily, the first play of the game. Yeah. Luckily, Hennigan had some miscues, and again, that's coming back from a shoulder injury. I believe is what they said he had. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, like I like I've said in other podcast or the podcast leading up to the Memphis game. To me, Hennigan was much more cerebral as a high school quarterback than Toon. Toon torched SMU. And if you remember what they said in the broadcast is that he didn't come into college knowing how to read defenses. Right. Well, now he does. And hell, he did a hell of a job against SMU for another career day. Mentally, I believe Hennigan is, was light, is light years ahead of Toon at the same time in their careers. Mm-hmm. And it... Even though he was off, and again, I, I, I chalked it up to rust and, and being injured and all that stuff, 
I mean, he looked like he was making the absolute right reads all the time. I never questioned one of his throws. One of the reads, they right. might have been underthrown because mm-hmm. of the injury or because he was being pressured, but none of them were, why Bad. are you throwing exactly. into triple coverage? Right. I mean, Absolutely. we saw at least twice, maybe three times, um, Mordecai do that. Mm-hmm. The first one, obviously, was the touchdown to Danny Gray. Uh, and then there was another one, I believe, that got picked off or was on fourth down or something. I can't remember. I know. It just, I think that was one towards the end of the game. Okay, yeah, that's what it was. It was. Um, but that tip drill, I mean, that should have been picked off. I don't yep. know what Mordecai saw. And, again, kudos to Gray for keeping with it and burning everybody. But it was very reminiscent of the UNT game in which it took them forever and a half to get anything going. To get any kind of offensive going. And it took one big old splash play. Problem is, is they just couldn't capitalize and, on the momentum like they did last time. And credit to the defense as as that back end didn't play very well. The defense was pitching a shutout almost going into halftime. You know, the, yep. they they were bending, but they didn't break. You know, they're forcing field goals. Mm-hmm. Memphis missed the field goal. That's when you block one field goal. Mm-hmm. They did, like you said, up front, they played very well, and they did a lot of bending and not breaking. And so – Credit to the defense in that regard, mm-hmm. right? And if offense had have been rolling, it, the game would have looked a lot different. Yeah, uh, absolutely. What, what got Memphis, though, back in the game, we had 17 points is what it was uh, in the final two minutes of the game. So we had the 80-yard or the 48-yard touchdown uh, to, to Danny Gray and the Memphis. Uh, Which was a great throw. Yes. <laughs> it was a great throw, great catch. And it's like, where's that been all game? Yeah. Um, and then you had the two-minute drill from uh, Memphis to tie it up what 16 seconds and then they squib kicked it to avoid Massey's return but it then set up again we had the we had the big play that happened that that kind of got the offense you know lit a fire under their ass and then the next drive they're able to get a wide open because they're playing soft coverage they don't mm-hmm. want anything deep but they got a wide open was it believe Calcaterra was it Rice okay yep. to set them up for the field goal you couldn't have asked for a better end to a very bad first half absolutely i mean cuz Really, Memphis probably could have been up two scores. Mm-hmm. They, SMU started just like they did against Houston, very slow um, with, on, on offense and even equally as bad on defense. Luckily, like I said, Memphis just didn't have it at that moment. Mm-hmm. But then, then they got it. Right, they it found it. That third quarter, they found it. Um, you know, What was it, 157 yards on fourth down or something like that in that game? It was embarrassing. Well, like a third <laughs> of their uh, – a third of their yardage came from fourth down plays. Yeah, that's just crazy. Like no less than twenty-seven yards on three of those passes. That's just ridiculous. It's crazy. You got the the fourth and eleven. You had the fourth and twelve. Mm-hmm. You had the fourth and one, which they had one guy running behind three defenders. How that happens, I have no idea. Then you had the fourth and two. That's the one where where uh, don't call me Sonny Dykes' son threw it. After he got the direct snap under Hennigan's leg, is that yep. what it was? That fourth and one for the touchdown. Yep, yep, Man. yep. Oh. oh no, no, no! That that was not that one. That was the fourth and two. That was for the touchdown. Okay. The, yeah, the yeah. Fourth and one was the one um, on the right side of the field where the quarterback just—I don't even know what what happened—but there was really one guy behind all three of our DBs in this fourth. It's like, what, what, what's happening? What's I don't going know, on? Man. Like they, we kind of. Alluded to it, they looked ill-prepared as if the amount of noise circling the program related to Dykes is causing an issue. Right. You know, Dykes, after the Houston game, said we have to, we have to make sure we don't let one thing, one setback. Snowball. Snowball. 
they are snowballing. Right. We are in quintessential collapse. And now there is essentially nothing to look forward to the rest of the season outside of playing spoiler to Cincinnati. To Cincy. And if you spoil Cincinnati, then you hope for another loss for them or Houston to fall twice. That's the only hope you have to get into the AAC title game. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're just looking forward to the DXL Frisco Bowl <laughs> again. I don't know. I don't know what 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 the uh, who goes to what bowl scenario is. I have to check the conference tie-ins. Yeah, I, all the conference tie-ins. But uh, to your point, what do you, who, who cares? What do you look like? As soon as the final whistle went off that uh, that game with the final buzzer, I immediately thought, okay, we're looking forward to basketball because we're in we're in prime collapse mode again. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I for the betterment of the conference, you want Cincinnati to win out, no question, because they've got they're getting some. I I don't know if you want to call it momentum, momentum in the college football playoff because now they're up to five from yep. six, uh, so they're just on the outside. The Michigan State's loss, yeah, yes. Although now Michigan is ahead of Michigan State, which Michigan State beat Michigan the week before. I don't know. It, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, the, the ruling of Michigan being ahead of Michigan State was that Michigan is viewed as the more complete team, even though they lost to Michigan to State. To Michigan State, right. Um, and then the question that I was listening to on Morning Drive Radio this morning was, what happens if Nor- uh, Notre Dame runs the table as well as Cincinnati? Right. And there's some other things that happen to where Cincinnati and, and, and Notre Dame are viewed as, you know, the fourth team potentially. Right. But then it's like Cincinnati beat Notre Dame. Yeah, so Cincinnati (laughs) beat Notre Dame by 11 on the road. But are we going to give the clout the the chance to play, or are we going to give the team that has done everything that's been put forth in front of them for the last two years? Absolutely. Are we going to say, okay, you're finally going to get in, but they're going to carry – I don't know. I, I imagine the entire state of Ohio would watch. Cincinnati get in there. No question. Um, just for either the novelty or the pride or maybe it's it's Ohio State versus Cincinnati. That would be that'd be awesome. That'd be crazy. <laughs> A little in-state rivalry to go into the college football playoff. But right. uh, at your hope for the if, A, if SMU stays in the AAC long term is that Cincinnati runs the table and is challenging or even in the college football discussion, uh, playoff discussion. Because mm-hmm. if they're out and they run the table – then with the top ten road win, with the top ten road win, then you're basically saying that these this group and below will never ever ever in the history of football happen. compete for a championship while we only have four. So you want Cincinnati to, I, as a fan of the sport in general, you want Cincinnati to dominate SMU whenever they come to play or whenever they go out to play. I should say, as a, as a fan of SMU, you're not you're like what? No, don't say that. <laughs> you don't want that. Yeah, no, you I'm do. not wired that way, but right. I get it. But, but I, get I mean, and and the at the large scale, like I I I like I like chaos. Mm-hmm. So I want Cincinnati to get in there because I want to see what can happen. And all it takes is one game. Like mm-hmm. you want to see them shake it up. Imagine, imagine if Ohio State. And I know we always get the blue bloods into the college football playoff. Oh, Dad's calling. Uh oh, <laughs> this ain't good. But whenever you get into the college football playoff, you know. You usually have the blue bloods, but let's say Ohio State gets left out that one year that Cardell Jones right. runs them through the championship. You know how does that shake out if that doesn't happen? Like you don't get those kind of stories as well. You don't get the while it is a lot of the same uh, 
rinse and repeat. Like I liked actually seeing the three years of Clemson and, uh, and Alabama and, Alabama. and everything right. like that, whether it was for the national title or not. But I also want to see some of the just somebody else. Get but a I, but I don't think there was also that clear cut. Exactly. It, it, there there wasn't that. Well, <laughs> you are listening live to construction. Golly, I hate it. Okay, there's one thing I don't like about the studios is that damn base right there. <laughs> We'll, figure, we'll get it figured out. But there it was it, there was there wasn't that question of who else could have been here or maybe somebody else should have got that shot well, or that the TCU chance, debacle. Yeah, the first year, you know, because they that's true. They were right there, and then they won by fifty two, and then dropped. Right, whatever. So because this was the I think that's the final year that the Big Twelve decided not to do a conference championship game mm-hmm. because it, it screwed both either S, uh, TCU or Baylor. Right. So anywho, yes, there, it, it, outside of that year, there hasn't been a clear cut. This team deserves to be in there. You can't say that about Coastal Carolina last year. Not at all. You might have made a small case for Cincinnati last year, but no. Yeah. Uh, this year, for sure. Uh, no, no question about Cincinnati it. Cincinnati beat Georgia, right, in the um, Ooh, I don't bowl remember. game last year? Is that what happened? I, I think, can't remember. I'm pretty sure they did. I feel like that's right because they were talking about that being, uh, you know, well, look at us. We can compete with these guys. Mm-hmm. We can play with the bigger schools. Exactly. So, I don't know, man. Uh but back to SMU and Memphis, we got off on a large tangent. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the point was is that you have nothing to look forward to if you're SMU. Again, you can play spoiler to Cincinnati, and you have to hope for a lot of but, chaos. But to your point, this is where we see the coaching chops that they got, right? Mm-hmm. Because they still have a job to do. It's easy when you're 7-0. and Mm-hmm to get them fired up and focused every week. Okay, now we hit a little adversity. Can y'all get them back on track? Yep. Because it's easy being outside the locker room, especially we're not the ones that's watching film for, you know, three hours a day, and we're not out there practicing for two mm-hmm. hours a day and, you know, whatever else they're doing outside of that. They're in the weight room and, you know, managing all that. So it's easy for us to say they don't got anything else to play for. But as a coach, this is really where they earn their dollars. Like, look, just because – We've dropped two games doesn't mean that we can't still go out here and play for pride, if nothing else. Yeah. Play play for the name on on the front of your jersey and the back of your jersey. It's funny that you, I think a couple episodes ago, you, I think we were previewing Houston, is that um, you, don't, you don't have the same group of guys who have been into the the doldrums of the, the end of the season when everything starts, you know, the wheels start falling off the, mm-hmm. the wagon. Mm-hmm. It's just funny how it still happens, though, even with a new set of guys. And yeah. then, like, you wonder the mindset. I'm like, we are not that team. It's still happening. Right. What is wrong? Like, how do we avoid this? And, I mean, I don't, I don't, can't speak for SMU fans, but SMU Twitter is, is funny because they love and hate Dykes at the same time. Like, yep. it's all right. Well, obviously, he, his mind's elsewhere. And, He's looking to coach uh, at a bigger program, and we have to start looking for our replacement. But like, oh, stick with Dykes; he's great. We wouldn't be here without him. Yes, you you, you can have both though. Like, it's absolutely like where where I, I'm curious to know from an ex player perspective, maybe as a fan as well, just like where you see this going. Like, do we have this the the the, the feel good still towards him, or is it like okay, well we've seen this now four straight years, 18, Pers- 19, 20, and twenty one. We've seen it four straight years now where we start collapsing as we hit November. Personally, I think we stick with him. Um, offense didn't play the greatest that game, but I think that's the first game we could say where offense really just did not show up. Mm-hmm. You know, for a full game, 
So I think you immediately look to the defensive side of the ball, right? Um, we've got a new DC. Which we, he's done great, I, I think, in what he has available, uh, especially up front, because he's more of an upfront guy. Fair. Well, that is my next point. We have a new DC. We have a new secondary coach, right? Mm-hmm. And you're, you just asked, uh, you know, where do we go? How do we fix it? Fixing that part of it, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. We have not had any complaints about our front seven. We speak about how great they did against the run with Navy. We spoke about how well they did yesterday. Even again, in Houston, we spoke about how well that mm-hmm. front seven is played. We haven't talked bad about that front seven. But it's easy to hide your weaknesses when you're winning and when, when everything is going right. Now, your weaknesses have been exposed. And we've talked about it. It's been the secondary. The secondary is the weakness. It's all over the Memphis tape. You can go and watch it. The first touchdown at the end of the half, um, Dykes is back there wide open by mm-hmm. himself, right? You're in man-to-man. It's bad communication. It's bad scheme or whatever you want to call it, but you have to get that back end together, especially in the state that college football is in where everybody's throwing it all over, all over everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. If we were playing Navy every week, we'd be fine. <laughs> we'd be great. Nobody would care. Yeah. But – when you look at how pass focused almost every offense is at this point, mm-hmm. you got to get the secondary together. And it's been hidden because our offense would jump out and put pressure on teams and make them have to call plays predictably. But what we, we, we weren't in those situations in Houston and in Memphis and we see what happened. And now, as opposed to just being, oh, this is a bad play here and a bad play there. This is a trend now. This is who they are now. Mm-hmm. And anybody who has any sense going forward is going to attack it. Point blank, period. I'm going to put y'all in man-to-man situations. I'm going to put y'all in these situations. Mm-hmm. So you're either going to be in man-to-man and we're going to keep attacking your, your corners and your secondary, or you're going to drop back in the zone and that frees us up to try to run the ball, mm-hmm. which in my opinion, that's what we need to do because we're confident rushing with our three or four down linemen. We're confident stopping the run with our three or four down linemen. Yeah. Uh, getting some fire zones, my bad, getting some fire zones and bring pressure when you need to. But drop down in zones, work on your communication, and get better. Yeah, uh, I 100% agree with all that analysis. What's funny, though, is that we were, as we were texting about it uh, during the game, is we were seeing lineup changes mid-game. I've never seen that in my life. I actually applaud trying to, to do something different because maybe one of those guys has better eyes, a better feel, or just is talking with the coaches about, you know, look, I'm seeing this. Maybe I can go out there and do X or whatever. Or mm-hmm. they've just worked on it in general to where they know that they have a problem. Let's keep some fresh legs in there so we're not continuously getting burned. They have got to do something different, though. Mm-hmm. Like I, No I, question. I, okay, throw out some new guys out there. It it worked maybe 60% of the time, mm-hmm. but, you know, it just it doesn't provide that cohesion. And then you're talking with the linebackers. You know, that group is not – communicating the same or as effectively as the previous group and then that you know trickles right. down and well i think i think the two places where it's highlighted one was the one was the first touchdown to dykes in the back of the end zone where the guy's wide open mm-hmm. it's bad communication and if you look at the tape you can see these corners and safeties turn around yelling at each other because they're not on the same page mm-hmm. every time there's a big catch every time there's a touchdown they're yelling at each other. They're standing with their arms wide out, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're trying to figure out what went wrong. Why weren't we on the same page? Granted, y'all need to figure that out. But in the middle of the game, it's the time to be trying to do that. You should be going through these, you know, these on the sideline the side and in practice yep. prep, in preparation leading up to. The second time where you really saw it was the fourth and 11 
where they throw the touchdown on on a on a bang post, right? Yep. And I don't know if they were in zero. I don't know if they're in one. I don't know what they were doing, but to be in a fourth and eleven situation and sitting outside leverage where you don't have any help on the inside doesn't make any sense. It was a one coverage. I remember that one uh, very very clearly. It was a it was a one over the top, and he immediately went in like or down i should say to jump down to like the tight end or something like yeah, that or I whatever think, it might I have think, been i think they were thinking Hennigan's going to go inside to convert this and they just got burned on the post which once again goes back to just situational awareness it's 4th and 11 let him catch it at 4 yards yeah. we'll rally down I, and tackle him yeah it's i mean there is some questionable strategy there from uh Levitt, but Again, just the guys in the in the back four or five are are not performing. They're not. I'll take I'll take the fourth and twelve where they caught the the ball down on the one yard line. Right. Yeah, that was just a great. The, every your every, guy was better than ours. Every quarterback and, and receiver will win that if it's placed like that every time. Mm-hmm. It's just you can't defend that as a, as a quarterback because you're you're back to the ball. You're you're guarding against Long, so you're trying to kind of watch his eyes, and he quickly turns. But to that point, he could have been in better situ in better position because he didn't. He came down to press him on the line of scrimmage and didn't put any hands on, which we spoke about last right. week as well. He could have been in a better position. Granted, now once you're down the field and all of that stuff, that's fair. Right. I'll take your guy being better than mine. But there's still things that the routes are won at the line of scrimmage yep. for the DB, and they're not they're not winning. Clearly, that, mm-hmm. that's not what's happening. And so, to me, back to your original question. I love Dykes. I say we keep him here. Clearly, we got some things we gotta we gotta touch up. Whether it's you know defensively, special teams, even offensively. I'm not gonna sit here and say like he's calling perfect games or you know they're executing everything offensively. Mm-hmm. But I think we're trending in the right direction. And getting a new DC and a new secondary coach, there's gonna be growing pains. But you just hate to see them this glaring. Yeah. And and now it's on blast for everybody to see. Yeah. Um, yeah. 100. It's just. I I just hope that this – I mean, it, it already is a train. It's four years into it. We're doing the same thing yep. uh, again, collapsing at the end. Uh, and this team was built this year to compete. I mean, I it's funny. We'll, we'll talk about UCF here in a second. But like, I thought of it being a three-team race, and two of those teams are not in it right now. Right. Well, you could say UCF's in there. I just – back to the secondary, like – I'm, this is going to be the last time I mention him in the in the podcast, but Jahari Rogers, man, <laughs> child, what is you doing? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't get it. Like he, you're you you had a great text. You said like he looks like he's just trying to be cool out there. He looks like he's trying to be too cool. Yeah, he he looks out of position. His head's not where it needs to be. Uh, he he doesn't play with a sense of urgency whatsoever. And this is the I don't again I I have not watched one lick of him at his time or heard about anything at his time at Florida. But when he was at a senior in high school at Arlington High, his his play. Now, granted, I know they're all college kids and they're all D one players now, so they're not the same every week. But his play and execution and energy were much much higher back then than it what is now. And it's just it's. I think he is domino number one. And when that domino automatically falls every play, mm-hmm. you're in a bad spot. Yeah. So Absolutely. All right, man. Let's let's transition. Let's let's shake off 
Let's shake off that. Get it, get it out of there. We got, we got it out. Got we it. got it out. Before we, before we move over into the SMU and UCF uh, preview, Central Florida. Again, we want to thank our sponsors, Lot and Block Group, a Compass uh, Realty Group. Right. Yep. Okay. Again, thank you to Believe and SMU or Believe Podcast Networks for providing us this platform to have the Believe in SMU podcast. And then again, you can find us on all your platforms such as Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, CastBox, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to your podcast, we're there. So tell your friends, tell your spouses, tell your children. Tell everybody. Tell everybody. We understand. All right, man. So we're now two-game losing streak. Yep. Uh, we are staring behind, or we are staring up at three teams in the AAC standings. Mm-hmm. One of them we expected, Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Uh, although they've had a, a little bit of trouble of their last couple of weeks, uh, and again, that's just that's just conference play. They're the they're the teams that are going to give you the most trouble because they know you the most. I don't understand the premise of well, you should be beating your conference foes by forty points a game. No, no, not every <laughs> not every. That's NCAA football on the Xbox or PlayStation type of mentality. You can't do that just because you set your uh, difficulty to, to junior varsity. <laughs> you know, I, I speak from experience. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you know, they only go to the BCS. So you have to have those style points. Right, 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 right. right. Um, <laughs> but we have so Cincinnati up top, mm-hmm. Houston, mm-hmm. and then UCF. Mm-hmm. I expected it to be... Cincinnati, SMU, and UCF to be challenging for the title. So two of the three are in there. SMU is basically out, and they need a lot of help to be able to play in the uh, the, the title game. Right. UCF is six and three, four and two in conference. SMU is seven and two, three and two in conference. I am completely flabbergasted by the. I'm looking at the matchup predictor mm-hmm. on ESPN mm-hmm. uh, and the the spread and all that stuff. SMU is a seven point favorite. Shocked. I know they're at home. They were five points favorites to Memphis. And they, and until they got their offense in motion, it could have been a, a big, bigger whooping than it was. Mm-hmm. But they also are at a 69.3 to 30.7 power index of a chance of winning. I, I don't understand how they are a seven to three favorite in that regard mm-hmm. because I'm not seeing if, if UCF's offense is, is clicking. I cannot see how they are going to stop UCF, especially with the fighting Gus Malzahn craziness of, of offense. You mm-hmm. remember that time in Auburn when he won a national championship? You could not stop that offense. Right. Granted, he had an all-world quarterback. Absolutely. There, but still, it's there. I mean, it's it, the premise is still there. Well, you took my hot take. Oh, I'm sorry. Go for it. No, I, I let's erase all that tape. Go for it. SMU is going to lose. Oh, oh! You heard it here first. <laughs> we have we have ventured uh, into Saturday at three fifteen when the game <laughs> concludes, and then come back to a Wednesday uh, afternoon to record this podcast. SMU is going to lose. All right. So what happens? Um, offense is too much. They're a very well balanced team. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would love nothing more than to be proved wrong, mm-hmm. but Central Florida is very well balanced. They've even they lost their starting quarterback, and I think their their backup came in, and he's been balling as well. Mm-hmm. They also Keen. Yep, they also have a a strong run game. You know they're they're very much so running back by committee. Mm-hmm. You look up one game, I think Bowser has one twelve on one game. You look up, you have somebody else who's over a hundred the next game, and 
not only are those guys breaking 100 yard games but you have other backs in the same games that are still getting you 50 70 40 yards and so they're 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 very well balanced mm-hmm. and i think they're balanced enough to keep our defense off kilter yeah the last time uh so i'm looking at kind of common op- opponents and this is when hennigan got hurt and they went with their fourth string quarterback um Memphis did in uh, on October 22nd, and they were only held to seven points. Uh, so that defense can do something, regardless of you know who's playing quarterback and everything mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have had their struggles, though. They only won by four against ECU. They only right. won by four against Tulane. But, uh, again, Tulane, I mean, they almost beat – Oklahoma. Oklahoma. So right. uh, you, you don't you don't know how this will shake out. Now they did run rough shot over Temple uh, two weeks ago, forty nine to seven. I just they're trending in the right direction. SMU is not. They're not right for it to be a a seven point spread. You're begging if you're a vo- uh, 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 a better. You're begging them to take the the cover of a, a UCF. Uh, I. I don't see how – I could de- definitely see this being another shootout-type game, um, but that's incumbent upon SMU getting started uh, early. Early, We've right. seen two straight games where they have not got started early. Mm-hmm. They needed some type of just lucky, long play to get something going. Mm-hmm. Uh, End of the first quarter against Houston, you went over the top to Curley. Right. And this uh, tip drill touchdown to Danny Gray to get him going against uh, Memphis. problem is, is that – Against Memphis, they just could not sustain it. Right, um, and I, I don't know what to say. I mean, like th- these are very two equally matched teams in my in my point of view. I think it'll come down to probably another field goal game. Right, we're, right. We're looking at twenty eight, twenty five. I mean, points per game. Let's just kind of break it out. SMU is 30, 40.1. Central Florida is thirty two point four. Points are very much allowed or po- uh, very similar, 25.7 to 25.4. Mm-hmm. Offense and defense are very much uh, middle of the road. Uh, or offense is very high for both teams. The defenses are very middle of the road. I, Until proven otherwise, I'm going to go ahead and expect SMU to be in dog fights the rest of the, the rest of the year well let me right. rephrase that dog fights against ucf and probably tulsa mm-hmm. uh and then get their butts handed to them against By Cincinnati. Cincinnati. <laughs> so at that point we're then looking at seven and five mm-hmm. after starting seven and oh mm-hmm. or let's say let's let's say they split the last two of three and then they lose to Cincy. so we're talking about eight and four right after starting seven and oh that's a horrible finish and we we had talked about this before how they perform. It's going to be interesting to see how they were going to perform this last half of the schedule. Yeah. So far, they have not passed any tests. Not at all. Not at all. And it's it's interesting. We're, we're kind of talking about uh, you know the coaching staff and everything. Uh, just listening to what you're saying, you know the the eight and fours or the the seven and fives. It's it's. And I'm taking a second just being an SMU fan to just just take in that that is a disappointing season. Mm-hmm. Because especially where you had started. Right, because when I was there, oh, I would have killed for a seven and five season, right? right. You know, I, I won one game two years back to back. So it's 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 definitely something to to keep perspective on, right? The program is growing, which is why our expectations are so high. And so that like you said, that that speaks to what Dykes has done with the program. Now, all that out the way, um, yeah, they they they've got to show up and, and figure a way out to win games and get better period you got to be better they were 
kind of slowly putting games together. We spoke about it coming off the bye week against Tulane, best we had seen them. Had a, a dogfight, you know, out there in Houston, which mm-hmm. they didn't play their best, but it was still a good game. Mm-hmm. And then last week against Memphis, it's just like, who are these guys? Where'd they come from? Yeah. They and, were they were lucky to be, I think, as close as they were to Memphis at, at, as the final score showed, 28-25, just based off of what we saw at most of the first half and especially in that third quarter. Well, and I can I can take 13 points off the top of my head that that Memphis missed with the the first play of the game should have been a touchdown and then you got the two field goals. Mm-hmm. Like it's for them to be in the game like you said they were lucky to be there and I don't think you get those same opportunities with the teams remaining on the schedule. It's not going to happen. Yeah, um I I agree. I what I what I want to see is I I want to stop trying to worry about the razzle-dazzle place, I think, at this point in the season. I want to see growth of an offense and being able to be methodical in your approach, mm-hmm. not having to rely on 50-yard um, bombs over the top or a 48-yard you know, tip drill that just luckily broke open that way. I want, mm-hmm. I want them to grind it out on the on the ground with Siggers and uh, Epton and mm-hmm. uh, Levine and Tanner makes smarter decisions and be able to throw. I don't know what his problem has been the last few weeks, but he will not throw the ball away for the life of he him. He won't. And, and I, I threw out a meme. It was a Drake meme where it's like uh, throwing the ball away, you know, the look away. He's like, oh, I'm not into that. And then it's like taking a 12-yard sack. He's like, yeah, I want that. I, I want that one I want right that there. One. Yeah, it's just throw the ball away. And maybe, maybe now we are seeing the reason why Tanner – wasn't highly as regarded over in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. They talk about how he was such a high recruit coming out of high school and everything like that. Three stars, four stars, whichever recruiting service you're interested in. I mean, he he got time at Oklahoma to play against Texas. He wasn't it mm-hmm. then. And he has started off so spectacularly to begin this year. But now as, as he has gone, the team seems to have gone. And Absolutely. He's, I said it last episode. He is trying to make the twenty point play. There is mm-hmm. no such thing as a twenty point play in any sport. Yeah. Stop trying to will this uh, the game into a win on on just one throw. Mm-hmm. L- live to fight the next down. Yep. You know what? And it's okay if you have to throw it away on fourth down too. Don't take the sack. Don't fumble. Don't exactly. throw the interception. You exactly. Know, we can we can we can punt it and we can get rid of put the, the uh, D on the field and go the, fight and and just try again the next drive. It's yep. Just, that hero mentality, that hero ball, it's it's just you're not going to to win on one play, but you can definitely damn sure lose it. Right, right, whatever. right. It's you have to build it up. And I I want to see that type of growth the rest of the season. I don't want to see them just throw caution to the wind and be like, Well, we've basically had nothing to play for. Let's right. just let's just do whatever. No, I want to see tangible growth and maturity from Mordecai and and really try to see if what you have at running back can power you to better than what you're getting without Bentley. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's, that's what I want to see uh, right. in this game. Um, I, I don't know. I can't remember how they are in 11 a.m. kickoffs. Uh, I don't think it bodes for them very well. Um, it didn't last week. It didn't. <laughs> uh, hopefully being back home, the last home game of the season uh, will provide some juice. But, you know, I thought the same thing when they were going to play against, North Texas against a rival, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. They look like dog trash, right? So it's it's 
it'll it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Like I said, I don't think I think they're going to lose. I would love to be wrong about oh, that. I, I lied. I'm sorry. They have two more home games. I, Tulsa, I said we got Tulsa at home. Uh, I thought Tulsa was on the road. I, yep. In my head, I, only, I figured they had one uh, home game left. No, they have uh, Tulsa to end the season, but yeah. UCF is a uh, – I plan on trying to make my way down there and uh, go support those guys on Saturday. So I'll be in the stands yelling at them and trying not to lose my mind a little bit. Just yelling all at the secondary, turn around. Right. Get your head right. Need my sideline pass ready so I can go coach them up a little bit. Oh, uh, that's funny. Um, have you been on the field, like, on the sideline? Not this season. Well, I mean, in general, like, as an ex-player, mm-hmm. have you been on there? What's mm-hmm. that like for you as an ex-player? Are you talking with the coaches? Are you talking with players? Are you just watching? What, I, I, you always see that on a broadcast, like, oh, you've got Earl Campbell on the sideline watching the Longhorns play or whomever is mm-hmm. on there, and, you, you, you know, you don't know, really know what the interaction's like. Are they just there as uh, celebrity fan, or are they there to kind of, like, be picked the brain apart. Yeah, mainly they just go go enjoy it, you know. Come um obviously love watching the games from the sidelines, gives you a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Um I would have no problem with, you know, kind of talking to the guys a little bit during the game if, if it was allowed. I don't know, you know, how how the coaching staff will feel about that, but definitely um just down there to enjoy it, you know, get get that up close view of the game. All right. You actually just brought me to a, a question. I've been meaning to off the record you and I have talked about the secondary and everything mm-hmm. i'm curious i'm gonna throw this hypothetical out to you and you don't have to answer it but i want you to <laughs> this is this will be broadcasted to to nobody this is, this is between you and i on the on the broadcast <laughs> let's say levitt comes to you uh-huh. he's like brian the cut of your jib on that podcast is amazing i want you to be my secondary <laughs> coach what do you say oh Ooh. I'd, ha- I'd have a few demands before Uh-oh. taking it. Okay, lay them out. I love football. I can eat, sleep, breathe it. I don't want to recruit, and I know that that comes with the territory. Mm-hmm. I, Why not? Well, what's wrong with recruiting? It just takes time away from my family. Okay, simple as that. That's always. Um, I always tell everybody, you know, my parents were always there, and even through my co- collegiate career, my parents didn't miss a game home or away. You know, mm-hmm. they're always there. And with me having little ones at home, I just want to be able to give that same stuff to them and be there. And coaching and traveling and games and all that stuff already takes enough time away, not to mention having to go and scout this player and Mm -hmm. speak to them in their house and their parents and all of that stuff. Now, if they want me to come and consult. Okay, I was going to ask you, like, what about the consultant road? Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, get the bag and then just kind of. I would love to. Yeah, with a voice. Yeah, let me let me help break down film. Let me you know show you some of my ideas. Let me kind of get my hands on with the players on in practices and stuff. Okay, I'd be so, all for it. So as a consultant, uh, what what would be your three point plan? Let's not focus on this year. Let's focus on on next year. What's your three point plan heading into next year to get the secondary right? Um, give me your elevator pitch. We need to increase the player's IQ. Okay. How do you do that? By watching film and by going through situations together. Can't be the safeties just coming in and watching film doing this thing. Need to have the unit together watching film and breaking down what everybody is seeing from each receiver, what they're watching from each corner, what they're watching from each safety, Mm -hmm. what they're seeing and communicating with each other so that they can get to know their teammates better, right? And you, you, you put film up and you say, okay, hypothetically, this is our play call. 
I need, you know, this safety, this safety, this corner, this corner. Y'all give me y'all communication through this play. And you play it and you run it and you'll learn who likes to talk, who doesn't like to talk, who's picking up stuff, who mm-hmm. isn't picking up stuff. And just that alone will start to in, improve their communication and then also help pick up their IQ. Next thing would just be physicality um, at the line of scrimmage. And the third thing would be, I don't know. I think those two would be a good start. I'd have okay. to find number three. He He's got me so efficient. He only needs 66% of his top three <laughs> reasons to make the secondary better. No, I, I agree. Like, I like the one-for-all approach. Like, we're not, you're not just a safety. We're a defensive back unit. So mm-hmm. you need to know what you should be expecting out of your cornerback, vice versa. So if a call is made or a, I don't know, a hot word is said mm-hmm. in the secondary, you're able, you know exactly you're where he's going to be changing his his uh, leverage too. Absolutely. So instead of it being an outside leverage, it's going to, going to be inside. You're now looking more toward mm-hmm. the zone or the front or wherever you want to, however it, it's going to be structured. And not even just that. Even where you you just get to know mm-hmm. your, your, your particular teammates, right? Yeah. I've had guys I've played with. It wasn't necessarily the call, but the coach isn't on the field. The coach doesn't necessarily see everything that you see, right? And so, well, yeah, there's too much to process for one person to be able to see everything. So you it, need to have people who can then relay that information back to the coaches. Well, right? yeah, not, but not that? no, no, no. I'm okay. getting that even if it's outside of the play, right? Let's say it's a a cover, you know, one, and they see that that there's a near running back, and I just know that this running back is going to flare out. He's going to be open, and the um, the linebacker that's covering him is going to get picked off by the receiver or the route or whatever, whatever. It could be completely outside of the play call, but if that corner and that safety could communicate and the corner saying, hey, if this running back swings, I'm going to go down there because our linebacker is going to get caught and I just need you to cover me over here. Mm-hmm. Like just being able to have like those types of communications or where you know the guy that you're playing with. It might not be the same with every guy, but if I know what your strengths are, I know what you like to do. I know I got a safety who likes to play a little harder on the run. I say, hey, Go ahead. If you see something, jump it. I can play a little bit deeper and cover up whatever, you know, you think you might see if you're wrong or something like that or whatever. But just getting to know your teammates, not necessarily just what their job is, but know their mindset, know how they like to think, know how they like to play. So y'all are still playing Mm -hmm. as a unit, but y'all also still playing football and not being robots out there. Yeah. And that just comes with time. Yeah. Uh, And and repetition. You think, though, after nine games. That, yeah. that time and repetition would have um, not made it to where you're having to worry each week about what they are, what's, what's going on. Uh, you are hoping that that's buttoned up and you're not having to run in rotations just which, to keep it fresh. Which goes back to the point, like, why in week nine are we doing this rotating of, you know, the secondary? We, that's what you're doing week two, week three. You mm-hmm. know what? This didn't really work how we wanted to week one. Let's try to play around with it a little bit. But like you said, week nine, week ten, what, come on, what are we doing? Yeah, I honestly at that point, I uh, where the game was and we were where we were seeing those rotations come in. I think they were just trying to throw anything at the wall mm-hmm. to stop the bleeding, mm-hmm. um, because they they were Memphis was gouged. I mean, we talked about the, already the four uh, the fourth down plays where they had 157 yards of offense and they scored twice on right. fourth down, uh, one on a, a third down. I mean, it was basically the same thing over and over and over. Just Easy cuts inside or or back shoulder fades or getting behind the defense. It's just just running fast. Just running fast. Run, run fast. Not and, and not getting <laughs> a hand on them. 
Okay, so we have UCF and SMU on Saturday. Um, basketball still picking up. Um, what? You already said SMU is going to lose. Do you have a prediction on the game, like the score? I'm not a big score guy. That uh, my, my here's my score prediction. Okay. Central Florida will have more than what SMU has. Man, <laughs> you cannot get any deeper in analysis than that. Uh, is that before or after the final buzzer? That that would be after. Okay, that after, would be after, after the final buzzer. Uh, Central Florida will have more than the Southern Methodist Fighting Dykes. You 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 heard it here first. Score prediction. <laughs> More than more than the other. <laughs> That's usually how it works out, right? Okay, guys, it's been a fun episode. Brian, I appreciate your time every week, man. Absolutely. A uh, lot in block for sponsoring this time in the VentureX studios here in Las Colinas. Again, give them a look if you are look. It's I. You could speak a little bit better to to them. What what? Why would people go to Lot and Block Group? As you said, um, taking care of the nuances. You know, they're very well knowledgeable of anything that might come up and they work hard for their clients. Yeah. It was arranging from first time home buyers, international and domestic relocation clients moving up and or downsizing both buying and or selling luxury homes and development project sales. That's what they're about, man. Find them on, uh, Instagram at lot block group, L O T B L O C K group. That's both on Instagram and Facebook. From there, you should be able to get to their website. Um, it's a part of Compass. So that's compass.com slash agents slash lot dash and dash block dash group. <laughs> we appreciate all your time. Again, follow us on, on Twitter. Um, I am at I am Speeders. I am at BMAC929. You can also email the show if you have any concerns, thoughts, uh, you know what you're going to get us for christmas um you know whatever you want to do whatever whatever you want to send us we'll take it that's at uh b-l-e-a-v-i-n-s-m-u at gmail.com that's believe in smu this has been the believe in smu podcast on the believe in uh, believe podcast networks thanks for listening thanks for listening guys we'll see you next week we out Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.